Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. Well, if you'd remain standing for just a moment, uh, we're going to read some scripture together. If you want to get a head start, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we are at. Our word for this year, those of you that are regular core church, you know it's inconvenient faith. That if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And, and our desire as followers of Jesus, the whole reason that you're here today is because you desire to be passionate about Jesus. You, you want that flame alive. You, you desire him. And so how, how do we do that? And we have these eight core practices here at Core Church. And this year, though, we're calling the eight inconvenient practices. And we've been looking at these throughout 2022, being very, very intentional about developing these practices that do not save us but they guide us to the one who saves us. Amen? So we are on that core practice of godly friendships where we are talking about inconvenient friendships because getting into a core group or doing life with other people, hey, let's do coffee sometime, and then you don't, right? It's because it's hard to, in, in the world that we're in to have those relationships. So about a year ago, we were in a um, ministry planning session and uh, Sybil Hawkinson, who is our uh, children's pastor, she had a great suggestion. She said, you know, Brad, um, I would love to see uh, some females preaching more and, and, and up on that stage. And I was like, that is a, that's a great idea. Absolutely, we want to see that. And I said, so you're on. <laughs> and she was like, that's not what I meant. That's not, that was not what I meant. So... Um, a couple weeks ago, you heard from Paula Neal, who did a tremendous job. And so Sybil, um, I mean, this is not her thing to be up here preaching all the time. So I want you to just encourage her and give her some love. Uh, she told me that she's preached before, uh, but then I found out that was in Canada, and that does not count. So we know Canada does not count. So this is her first time to preach in the United States of America, okay? Hey, come on, Sybil Hawkinson. Come on, Sybil, we love you. Percent, 100% did not mean me. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> um, but just like we say, continual surrender. I couldn't tell you all to continually surrender if I don't do it, right? So God has given me a word, and I am here to bring it. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 10. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, what is right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I just come before you right now, and I just humble myself, and I just ask that you speak through me so boldly today that these 
people in here will hear your word and your truth. I pray for them as they humble their hearts and as they surrender everything going outside this room. Let us be here in this moment and hear from you. And we love you. Amen. All right, take a seat. But while you're sitting, if you love camping, raise your hand. All right. If you love adventuring, raise your hand. All right. So if you want to know who I am or what three boys I am raising, this is it. This is me. I love the outdoors. I love everything about the outdoors. I love fishing, kayaking, camping, all of it. Actually, one of our family goals, really, it's one of my bucket list goals, and I've been forced it on the family, is to go to the national parks. Do you guys go to the national parks? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a national park. All right. I love the national parks. We have like a whole pin board. I pin them off. I collect them. I love it. I love the idea of it. Well, last summer, we had the opportunity to go to Carlsbad Cavern National Park. Now, Carlsbad is located in New Mexico, but I'm not just saying in New Mexico. Carlsbad is located in the furthest southeast desert of New Mexico. And we didn't decide just to go. We decided to go in the middle of summer and tent camp in the desert in Carlsbad Cavern, New Mexico. I'm talking sweaty camping. Fun, fun, epic fun. But (laughs) I love adventure, so we loaded all up and we went. Because I usually make it work. If I want to do it, I make it work. But so we did it. We went. The most interesting thing about Carlsbad is you're headed out. And again, like I said, you're in the desert. So you're kind of driving up maybe a few plateaus, but it's like desert. Like it's flat desert. And all of a sudden you notice this tiny building just out. And you're like, oh, okay. I thought we were going to a cavern, like a hole or like a cave or But you go, and it's the visitor center, and it gets bigger as you get to it, and you go into the visitor center, and you come out the backside of the visitor center, and all of a sudden you see it in the ground is this massive, I mean massive, I mean if you look from that side to that side, it's a giant hole in the ground. It's a cavern. It's huge. It's giant. Well, you start taking the trail, and as much as the hole's giant, you're on this itty-bitty path that literally weaves back and forth. I think we have a picture. Weaves back and forth into the hole. These people are already kind of standing inside the mouth of the cave, and you're going down into this giant hole. Well, the most interesting thing is, as you're going down, it begins feeling sticky. Your skin gets sticky because the dampness, right? And as you're going down, it begins getting really cold. Colder, like they were like pack a sweatshirt, Sib, and I probably didn't, and it got colder, and it was chilly, and it's getting colder and colder as you're going down, and you're going down the whole time like this. You never get that relief that you think you need, you know, like when you're going down and your legs really, really hurt, but you're like, don't worry, there's going to be a flat area I can stand and rest them. It's not like that. It goes down and down 79 stories down. Huge. So if you take the BOK building in downtown and we shove the BOK building underground, that is 
52 stories. The BOK building is only 52 stories. So add another 25 on that, shove it in the ground, and that's where you're going, a mile and a half down into the darkest, dampest, slipperiest, cold hole in the ground, <laughs> really. It is whole, and it's dark. And you think, as you're going down, it's gonna get smaller. It feels, as you're going down, that it's getting smaller. But you step down into this area they call the big room, and the big room is actually six American football size, huge. Huge, this room is huge. Now we were laughing about that as I was kind of preparing because I said to Eric, did you know that it's six football fields? And he was like, no it's not. And I was like, it is six football fields. But you don't know that because you literally cannot see in front of you. You can't see anything because it's so dark and gloomy and damp and cold. Well, scripture says that we are all born into sin and darkness. We all start at the bottom of that cave. We all start way back there. And we know, just as Eric said, when you call on the name of Jesus, he comes into your life and you have salvation and you get that light of the Lord. But we also know in the legacy group, I love Brad spoke about that. They've followed Jesus for so long. And there's some of us who've been doing it a little bit, a little bit longer, a little bit less than that. But we all know that it's hard. It's not easy walking in the light of the Lord. It is not easy persevering. And I love our core practices because this is what it speaks to. The core practices are like the lights on the pathway down in the cavern. In Carlsbad Cavern, the way that you are able to see, they have these little runner lights on the railings as you go down. So as you're going down, you're led by these itty bitty runner lights. And you know what those lights reminded me of actually? When you go into a movie theater and you're running late, because you have kids, anybody? Anybody been late to a movie? Yeah, you're running late. And there are those lights that light up the path and show you where your seat is. That's what it's like. They're itty bitty lights. It's pitch dark, but you have these lights. That's what our core practices are. There are these tools. There are these lights. There are these guiding points that show us how to live, how to live in the Lord. They don't save us. We call on that name, like Eric said, and that's what saves us. But they help us lead, and they help us walk in the light. The coolest thing is when we got to the bottom of that cave, Isaac, Isaac's my youngest. I have three boys. Isaac's my youngest. He was seven at the time. He was done. <laughs> I mean, done. Not a little done. He was done. But you know what? I was done. I didn't want to see any more rock formations. I didn't want to see if my feet were going to slip or how I was going to do. I was done. Well, we turned to walk out. So we turn and we're like, we're going that way. And you cannot even see any light. You can't even see residual light coming from the mouth of the cave. You are so far in darkness that you cannot see your way out. So what do you think we did? Do you think I said, get on, Isaac, we're going for a piggyback ride. <laughs> do you think I put him over my shoulder like a sack of potatoes? If you've met Isaac, you would maybe think that I drug him <laughs> like this out. No, there were two options. 
You could go the mile and a half back up the hill, or you could take the three-minute elevator <laughs> to the top. That's what we did. We took that three-minute elevator to the top, and we stepped out into the light. So, do you guys remember what it was like to live in darkness? Do you remember your choices? Do you remember the decisions you made? Do you remember the way that it affected other people? Probably not. Because when we're living so deep in darkness and in that pit of sin, it's all about us. When I was at the bottom of that cavern, I stopped worrying about what the boys were doing, what Eric and the three boys were doing, trying to explore everything and leave the path. And I started focusing on how my legs were like this. They were hurt, my knees hurt so bad. Or how cold I was. It became the sin and the pit of me. That's where we sit in the sin and the pit. We cannot see the light of Christ without each other. The verse says in chapter 8, it says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light. That is what Jesus does. He comes into our light, life and he shows us that light. But we know, even though we have that light, it is hard to make moral, good, right choices. It is hard to do the wise thing. That's what we say in kids. Make the wise choice. It is hard to do that alone. I couldn't get out of that cave alone. I couldn't even find the elevator. I wasn't even thinking about it without each other. In verse 8, it says also, live as people of light. Did you catch that? It doesn't say live as an individual person as light. The verse says we are to live as people of light together. This is where our godly friendships come in. This is why we believe it's a practice. This is why we believe it's important because we cannot do life alone. We cannot shine the light of Christ alone without our godly relationships. In verse 9, it says, For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Godly friendships help reveal the light of Christ by showing us what is good, by showing us what is right, and by showing us what is true. First, Paul says, Godly friendships reveal about the light of Christ what is good or goodness. Now, for some of you who have been following the Lord for so long, and you know this story, in Joshua 1.9, when Joshua is staring down a battlefield, and God comes to him and he says, be strong and courageous, don't be worried, I'm with you, right? Well, the coolest thing about that verse is, if we go back when Moses was the leader, back in the Old Testament, Moses called, God called, Moses led the people of the Israelites out of captivity into the wasteland, into the desert, into New Mexico. Just kidding. It wasn't Mexico, but it felt like it. But God led Moses to bring the captives out. And while they were out, there were so many battles they had to face, so many armies that stood before them. And Joshua was Moses's number one man. He was his right-hand man. He was the commander of his armies. And you, we know this verse in Joshua 1.9, but do you know in Deuteronomy, a few chapters before, a few books before, Moses spoke over Joshua. 
it says that Moses commissioned Joshua. He sang over Joshua. And y'all don't live with Eric, but Eric sings over me all the time. Eric sings nonstop around the house. He nonstop around here. But it was like that. Moses sung over Joshua. He told him as they were facing a battle, he said, be strong, be courageous. God is with you. So when we look at Joshua 1.9, I wonder. I really wonder in the moment when Joshua is standing there facing another army, he's standing there by himself now. Moses is gone. He's passed away. And Joshua is alone facing this army. I wonder if God took Moses' goodness, Moses' words that he spoke over him, and I wonder if that's what Joshua recalls. And that's the battle cry of his heart. That's so many of our battle cry. Be strong and courageous. God uses the goodness of people and relationships to speak into our lives. Now, when I started at Starbucks, so I'm a part-time pastor, part-time barista. I work part-time at Starbucks. Josh is here. He works with me. Thanks for coming, Josh. But, yeah, but... The, cool, the most interesting thing was when I started, it was not easy. When I say not easy, I mean like maybe one of the hardest things I'd ever done. I'm half, not half the age, I'm double the age of most of the people who work there. I did not think I would get it. I did not think I could learn this new thing. I did not think I would ever know how many pumps of vanilla or how many shots of espresso or who even cares what size cup a caramel macchiato goes into. And forget about it. Do any of us even know what a component is besides Josh and me? I could not get it. I did not think I would ever get it. Well, I had friends at Starbucks, and I love love dearly my Starbucks friends. And they would say, don't worry, you'll get it. Give it time, Sib. You'll get it. That's not how I felt. <laughs> that is not how I felt at all. I didn't think I was, I never, I thought I would never get it, really. But they would encourage me, and they would speak that to me, and they would tell me I would get it. And I did. And I can tell you now how to make the best right? The best grande iced white mocha with sweet cream, if you want it. And those friendships have meant so much to me over the last couple of years. And my godly relationships put it in a different perspective for me. They told me I could get it because they reminded me I was fearfully and wonderfully made. They told me I could get it because I could do hard things through Christ who strengthens me. And they would call and say, did you cry today? And it was never, did I cry? It was, where did I cry? Did I cry in the back room? Did I cry in my car? Did I go to the bathroom? I cried. But they reminded me, for me, of a dream that God had put in my heart. God had, when I was a young teenager, 15, 16, God had spoken my heart and said, you're going to be a missionary, Sib. And they said, you are a missionary on a mission for God at Starbucks. This season is not wasted, Sib. God is doing it. 
Now, fast forward two and a half years later, I'm the trainer. <laughs> I get to teach them how to do it. I get to tell them what to do. It's pretty great. But what they don't know is I get to pray for them. I get to shine Christ's love, his goodness into them. And the coolest thing is my group knows it, and they come alongside me just this week. I'm glad you're here, Chad. Just this week, Chad, he's Chad and Casey Butcher. They're in our core group. Chad came in to get Casey's coffee. Casey's just had a baby three weeks ago, so he stopped in to get her coffee. But instead of coming in and grabbing it off the mobile table and leaving, he came over to me. He said hi. But you know what Chad did? He loaded a Starbucks card with $40. And he said to me, he spoke that goodness. This is what you did, Chad. You spoke that goodness. And he said, I believe in you. He loaded it and he said, Seb, you know, because you're here, you know who needs a free coffee. He said, take that gift card and anybody who needs a coffee, anybody who is having a rough day, get them their coffee. This is what a godly friend does. They see I am on a mission. I am on my mission field, and I need that support. And that's what you did, Chad. You said, I see you, Sib. I see what you're doing. It meant so much to me. This is what our godly friendships do. They reveal the light of Christ. Now, if you're in a core group, you know your friends at work are awesome, and they matter, and you want to hang out with them. I love going out with my Starbucks friends. But in your core group, they teach you how to shine the light on your friends. They teach you how to shine that light, that God's goodness on our friendships. The second thing Paul says, godly friendships reveal about the light of Christ what is right or righteousness. Righteousness is the desire to be holy. It's the desire to have a right relationship with God. It is the desire to shine and reveal Christ's light in us. Well, a few years ago, one of my dear, dear friends, um, she loves the Lord so much. She had an active relationship with God, but the worst happened, and her daughter got sick. I mean, so sick that she spent weeks in the hospital without anybody knowing, without any doctors really knowing what was going on in her life, what was going on in her little girl, her daughter. It was such a scary time. I remember feeling so uncertain about what was going on. Well, I prayed her, it was probably, I called her, it was probably six weeks or so into the hospital stay, and she was asking me those really, really hard questions. You know, the questions like, where is God in this? Did he cause this? Does he love me? Does he want to heal her? Where is God? These were hard. They're still really hard questions for me as I've walked through my own grief. Those are hard questions to know how to answer. So I said to her, I said, have you been praying? She said the most interesting thing to me. She said, Sib, I've not been praying. I've been yelling at God, yelling at God, 
She was fighting for answers, and she was yelling at God. You know what I said to her? I said, keep yelling. Keep yelling. I was scared for her salvation. I was scared for her relationship. I was scared she was going to walk away from God, her, the lover of her soul. So any conversation is conversation, right? So keep yelling. I said, yell, yell all you want. In the moment, I was calling her back to a right relationship with God. I was calling her back to what matters. This is what godly friendships do. They reveal the light of Christ in what is right. They reveal the light of Christ in our righteousness. They do not let us stray from what God has for us. They remind us that he is with us. We do this every week in our core groups. We sit in a circle and we have to say what we've been reading or what we've been learning or what the message spoke to us. We call each other to accountability in our relationship with Jesus. We want each other to be right before the Lord, before you're right before anybody else. We have to be right before the Lord. Godly friendships reveal the Christ, the light of Christ in what is right. And the third thing Paul says, godly friendships reveal about the light of Christ what is true. What is true? (laughs) This is hard in our world now. This is really, really hard. In the cave, in the darkness, I don't know what is true. In the world, I don't know what is true. And you know what? If you can't figure it out and you're trying all different things, the world says, it's okay, just make your own truth. That's okay too. That's what the world is telling us. It is okay to decide. But we know, we know that this This is truth, right? God is truth. God, we don't determine truth because God is truth. And in my godly friendships, they let me wrestle with that. They let me bring my questions. They let me bring the things I wonder about. They let me bring the things the world is telling me, and they let me wrestle in it. But when I wrestle, they point me here to God's truth. This is where they point me. They don't point me to other things. They don't point me to articles or stories or things like that. They point me to what the word of God is saying about truth, right? We need friendships like that. We need friendships that will reveal the light of Christ that way. Have you seen the news lately? Do you watch the news? I can't even do it because if you change to this channel... They'll tell you, truth. (laughs) And you believe it. I believe it. I believe that's truth. But you know what? Click, 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 change a few channels, right? And this channel tells me the same thing. Truth. Is that truth? Where is truth? And actually, we know it's somewhere in the middle, right? Truth has got to be somewhere in the middle, This is truth. We need a guiding post. We need that light revealed through our godly friendships to point us back to truth. Now, I personally did not grow up in the light of Christ. I did not. (laughs) I wandered in darkness. I wandered in that sin and in that cave for such a long time. 
I knew in my soul it wasn't right. I knew in my soul it's not where I wanted to be. I tried so many different ways to get out of the darkness. I tried so many times to figure it out. It wasn't until I was 15 that my sister-in-law, praise the Lord for those sister-in-laws, she took my hand out of that cave. She took my hand and brought me to youth group. She knew I needed. And then I surrendered my life and I said, woohoo, I'm good. Oh, boy, that's not it, right? <laughs> there are so many, so many ways. I knew the cave. I knew the light was up there, but I couldn't get from here to glory. I couldn't get there. I needed relationships. I needed people to point me to the light of Christ, to reveal in me what was good, what was right, and what was true. I needed that. I'm so thankful I'm not the same person I was when I was 15. I'm not even the same person I was when I went to college. Probably not as fun. I'm not the same person I was when I got married or when I had kids. I'm not even the same person I was a week ago when a friend had to call me on an attitude issue and had to call me to the floor and reveal that light in me and say, what are your motives, Sib? We need each other for that. The last part of that verse says, or let's read it all, Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light with produces within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So some of you might still be at the bottom of the cave. Some of you might be 10 feet up that hill. Some of you might be a mile up. Some of you might feel like just like that picture, you're standing in the mouth and you're walking in the light, but when you look back and you look forward, you realize we're not there yet. We're not in God's fullness. If you're wondering how to determine what pleases the Lord, this is what it says. Just move towards the light of Christ. Let us just move towards that light of Christ together. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your light. Thank you that when we call on your name, you save us. But God, thank you for the godly friendships that are represented in this room. May they point us. May they reveal your light in us. May each one of us be a godly friend and help each one of us take a step into your light. We love you. Amen. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at Core Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.